You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. The booming can't get fooled again. All right, so this is Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Oh, God, give, give me some energy, man. What do you want me to do? Hey, this is Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. This is Abe Lincoln's <laughs> Top Hat. <laughs> I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Today's guest is Simon or Bobby. <laughs> That's very nice. Uh, you have a mullet. Boom. That's good. <laughs> take okay. two. Take two. <laughs> take two. I don't know if all of that's going to stay in or not. Who cares? I already deleted it. You deleted it. I got rid of it. All right. <laughs> Saudi Arabia, what do you think? <laughs> Samad Arbabi. Well, tell me about the report. They were implicated, right? Did that- 28 pages redacted from the 9-11 Commission report. We all know that uh, it just uh, implies that uh, the Saudi government was complicit in the attacks on 9-11. Not only complicit, but probably uh, caused them. I mean, very much had something to... It, I would imagine that the 9-11 attacks would not have happened without a little nudge from Saudi Arabia. They had all the money, and they had all the uh, the willpower, and they had, uh, they had all the desire. And, of course, what was it? Uh, 19 out of the uh, hijackers. Uh, were Saudi. Uh, quite a few of them. The vast right. majority of them there were Saudi. There were 19 Saudi. hijackers. I think 15 were Saudis. Yeah. yeah. And then bu- Lebanese, Egyptian, Muhammad Atta was Egyptian, whatever. But it doesn't matter. Most of them were Saudis. A bunch of them. Well, so- the, the ISIS and Al-Qaeda comes from the Wahhabi-based Sunni uh, fundamentalists in Saudi Arabia. So that's the core of it anyway. Right. So Obama went over to Saudi Arabia uh, this past week. A lot of people are very upset about the visit. Uh, what do you think about that visit? Does it mean uh, that our ties with the country will never be uh, – will, will, will we always be tied to that government? It, this actually goes back to 1938 when, when, um, when we found the oil, basically, in Saudi Arabia. And we made a pact. I think uh, that's when the – King Solomon's father, uh, well, I forgot his freaking name, but anyway, that that guy met with Roosevelt on a boat, and we 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 basically promised them that we we would militarily always protect the Saudis. And why? And we've because uh, because we economically made a pact that we would help pr- help you produce your oil. We will buy a lot of your oil. We will help your economy boom up and Saudi Arabia became became a country it was a desert before that so it's it's actually it's a much older ally than Israel because Israel didn't even exist at that time uh, so the Saudis have always been the kid on the block in, in Middle East that we we promised to protect all the time and that's right. why when Saddam invaded Kuwait uh, Kuwait 
is sort of like Saudi Arabia's little cousin. Mm. We put a base in Saudi Arabia and we invaded Kuwait to kick Saddam out. So Saudis have always right. been the guy that we've promised to protect, even though they're assholes. So we have this report that comes out. What would be the motivation for the Saudi government to cause an event like 9-11? What's the benefit for that government? Is it just to destabilize the Middle East so then they can rise and have more power? No, I don't think I don't think like the Saudis actually, like the kingdom had a meeting and they're like, let's take down the towers and this right. is how we're going to do it. What the problem is with Saudi Arabia is to keep their population's mouth shut because you're talking about like a royal family the Sauds, who own an entire country. That's their house. It's not a country. It's House of Saud. That's what House of Saudi Arabia means. And and they're just living it up uh, like b- bigger than any king you, you can ever imagine in any Disney cartoon. Right. And uh, to keep the population shut and, and keep them quiet from, uh, you know, rising up, especially the Shiites are treated like shit, they build all these mosques. They put tremendous amount of wealth into these mosques who end up teaching anti-western stuff and uh, their whole and, and all well, these it, terrorists come out of from but when we say anti-western what we're talking about is nationalism right i mean they're they're speaking pro they're, they're pro saudi they're pro muslim so we we perceive it as anti-western but in their uh, in their reality it's just nationalism it's pro saudi arabian it's 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 not just saudi arabia it's Pro Wahhabism. Okay, what's Wahhabism? Wahhabism is this. It's it's what the Sunni fundamentalists are. It's where it's what it's what's what Al Qaeda and ISIS wanted to do. This is what ISIS wants to do. They want to spread their Wahhabism around the world, so they don't even consider the Shiites as Muslims. They believe they're they're the core of Islam, and their mission is to conquer and convert people into their phonetic version of Islam, which is Wahhabism. Yeah, They're the and, hardcore Sunnis. Yeah, it's a, right. I, you could look at it as like, as, I guess, like Catholics and Protestants and possibly the Wahhabis or the IRA. Was, Wahhabis would be kind of like the Crusaders. Okay. All right. Okay. So what happens? So now we have these 28 pages, which I do think at some point will be revealed, right? Yeah. I mean, we all know what's in those documents. It is that the Saudi government had a ma- uh, major role in the attacks on 9-11. Yeah. What do you think the fallout will actually be? Can the U.S. really disconnect from the Saudi money? I mean, Saudi Arabia has threatened to take away $25 billion from our economy. Is that a real threat? Do you think they would ever actually do that? And if they do, can the U.S. survive? It's the, the other way around. I don't think the Saudis, if they don't reform the way they do politics in the region, especially with their own people, the human rights records, like shit. They're one of the worst ones on earth, yeah. which, which we should be ashamed of supporting because they're, they're horrible. They're one of the worst, if not the worst country. Well, they have their uh, religious checkpoints and women's rights. Women are, don't even exist. They're animals. Yeah. So yeah. it's like... It's they, a re- they, they execute people for sorcery. Yeah, we, right. and we don't... Which, and rightfully so. I mean, you never know what a good sorcerer can do. I mean, let's not Dude, uh, get... Last year, they, they, I, I, I saw they had eight openings for executioners. Yeah, we covered and they, that. Do you know how they execute people? They chop their heads off. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of yeah. shit you got to put on your resume to get a job <laughs> like that. I don't know what your record right. needs to be, but you have to be someone as good as ISIS to be like, ah, I think I want this job. Yeah. And who kills the executioner? That's a question for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who, I mean, can the U.S. sustain a... Of course. A, we're, we're the biggest, most strongest economy in the world. The Saudis need us for everything. So why are we so indebted to them? I mean, they are... It's stupid. It's one of those outdated things that actually I think Obama's 
done quite differently than the other the past presidents. Well, the reason why those uh, 28 pages are redacted, that was a personal uh, order from George W. Bush. Like, George W. Bush was the one that said, like, listen, we can't have this out there. He checked out the 9-11 report before. He said, we oh, can't. Oh, the Bush family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, oh, and the Bush family, yeah. we know That's how That's actually one of the are. only things yes. that Michael Moore got accurately in the Fahrenheit 9-11 yeah. movie. The rest of it was, was like, bullshit, Disneyland yeah. crap. Was the relationship but, between the Bushes and the Bin Ladens and how the Bin Laden yeah, families almost, were flown out of the country uh, after 9-11, all those that's things. That's all crap, but simply because the Bush family was uh, deeply involved in the oil business from right. from George Bush's grandfather days. So the oil thing was a big deal. And it's the oil link that we've always we were we used to be very dependent on their oil. Now we're not. Yeah. And they also bought a lot of uh, military the Saudis have the fourth largest military in the world as, right. as far as spending. They're bigger than Great Britain this year. So and where do they get it? They get it all from the United States. We just I think we we made a $64 billion uh, deal with them to sell to sell them more shit. But we don't need them. Our economy does not need Saudi Arabia, especially now that we don't need their oil. So we have all the mayhem going on in the Middle East right now. Obviously, we don't really talk about it because we have been sort of— um, And they uh, suck because—you know why they suck? I'm sorry I jumped in. Because no, go on. They should be the ones in charge of getting rid of ISIS. No one else right. should be doing this except them because this is their own little kids. It's it's and the Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is the big big uh, mm-hmm. you know honcho in the uh, in in the region and it's this is their problem. We shouldn't be fixing this. They need to and they they can't even take care of like a, a freaking neighborhood. So we have the situation where theoretically, I mean not even theoretically, it seems to be uh, factually accurate that Saudi Arabia caused 9/11, which caused us to go into Iraq. Uh, Obama's pulling out of Iraq uh, created ISIS, creating the the, the power vacuum. How are we allowing this nation to just get away with, uh, with uh, you know, being complicit in the worst atrocity in U.S. history, and then causing a unbelievable amount of violence and uh, and, and uh, you know just um, mayhem that's happened in the Middle East? How are, how is this country not being held accountable? What's the reason? Why aren't we in Saudi Arabia? Why are we talking about them as the great evil? Well, I mean, Why are one, they on the axis of evil? One reason is because they uh, we they are the second, as far as what we import, as far as oil goes, they're number two. We import 40% of it from Canada, but we import 11% of it from Saudi Arabia, which is a large chunk. I mean, 11% of all U.S. oil imports, that's quite a bit. And we say right. if that stops, uh, then the U.S. I mean, the U.S. is going to be in a lot of trouble. Uh, but we also know that their oil is coming. They're they're running out of oil, and as soon as Saudi Arabia does, they're going to run out. But right now, we're right. the oil, largest oil producer in the world, right? And we're going to be completely. We we won't need any outside oil in like by 2024, I think. But the thing is, the Saudis are still selling a lot of oil to other people, mm. and we mm. kind of don't want maybe the Russians or the Chinese to get get a hold of it either. So for us, it's sort of like, and also sixty uh, percent, if I'm not mistaken, of the world's oil passes through that area. So it's mm. it is a, it's a pretty uh, logistically and strategically, it's a pretty important part of the world. But they're the worst neighbor for all those countries around them. Uh, so what allies does Saudi Arabia have that uh, forces us to be friends with them? Like what? What countries do they get along with that we get along with uh, that make us a uh, a collective? 
the Saudis don't really get along with anyone. They're they're sort of they're a very isolated country. You like have you ever heard anyone going to Saudi Arabia for spring break? <laughs> no, you don't go there for spring break. <laughs> like, although I would love to like, because I don't like to be naked on a beach. <laughs> well, you don't have to be naked on a beach. No, but you have to wear a bathing suit or something. I like no one goes to the beach in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> what are you talking about? They have beaches there. Ben's, Ben's thinking like there's like a wet hijab contest there every Friday or there something. There is. Dude, they're the most conservative country on earth. Well, I'm hosting a wet hijab contest there. <laughs> Later this month, there's so. nothing going on there. It's no one ever. Actually, their their dudes always go to Egypt or or uh, Lebanon to hang with the prostitutes and spend their dollars. But in Saudi Arabia, there's nothing going on. Right. Even the Americans have their own base where that's where they get to buy their own ham and have a little beer or whatever. But outside, there's nothing going on. It's a really shitty country, uh, but they are uh, they're a, a, a regional power. And they are the most influential, richest Arab country that we have. Does it destabilize everything if these documents finally get, uh, you know, revealed? If I they- don't know. I honestly don't think it's 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 ever been that much of a secret to our uh, any of our presidents that but Saudi be- Arabia is a shitty country. But we've never really done anything about it. Well, but it's it- not even necessarily about that. What it's all about, and what the Saudis are so afraid of, is what if these documents come out, and if this bill passes, where people will be able to sue other governments for exactly. being complicit in terrorist attacks on the United States soil. What happens then is their assets get frozen, and that's what they're afraid of. It gets frozen, or we start taking shit out of it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think the Saudis also own three percent of our economy, which Whoa. which is a big chunk. Yeah. Yeah, that's the like. They're they've always been very smart about uh, buying dollar stocks in whatever oh, it is. Mm-hmm. So we do need. I mean, it would put a dent on our economy. Three percent is pretty big, but we don't. At some point, something has to change, and I don't think we need to pull the plug on the Saudis. But the mm-hmm. Saudis need to do some shit, you know, to start doing something. Stop the uh, stop turning a blind eye on the on these fundamentalists and do something about ISIS and these other crazy jihadists in the region because they're sitting back. They're not doing anything. They're just talking shit. Every but, time they want something to happen, they're right. like, oh, United States should really invade Iran and get rid of Iran. United States should really do this. They're constantly depending on us, and they're telling us to fight their wars. Right. I mean, obviously, we've been, we've been focused on uh, the domestic uh, presidential campaign here, so no one's really discussing the Middle East. Does the uh, destabilization of the region help countries like Saudi Arabia? I mean, where do... Uh, I mean, is there any benefit for them to fighting back to fighting back the forces uh, like ISIS? Is there? I mean, what's the benefit? Yeah, for them because to- because at the end of the day, ISIS's dream would be to topple Saudi Arabia's royal family and and take over Mecca and you know Saudi Arabia, Medina. This this is like these are these are the most holiest. This is like the Vatican of. Uh, ISIS and all the uh, Sunni Muslims and the yeah. Shiite Muslims, the whole Muslim world. So eventually, their goal is to conquer Saudi Arabia and uh, rule that whole uh, that whole territory. Mm-hmm. So no one is like ISIS is ISIS's worst enemy is Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia's worst enemy is still ISIS. It's not the United States, it's not France, it's not right. Belgium. So yeah, it is in their benefit. They just they just keep pushing shit back and covering it up and putting patches and band aids around things that will just get worse as time goes on. And now we haven't seen recent reports about ISIS, again, because we have been sort of the smokescreen of the election. Mm. What is going on right now in the Middle East with ISIS? Have they gained a lot of ground? Is there a lot of resistance coming from Iran or uh, Assad's regime? I mean, is it more powerful now than ever before? No, I think ISIS is starting to get a little bit weaker and and weaker. 
and that's mainly because of what the uh, the Russians uh, have done in the air and supported yeah. them with intel and also aerial bombings and Iranians on the ground sending uh, their own troops or advisors they call and Hezbollah's uh, support from Lebanon under the Iranian uh, you know militant people so in this bizarre way we have a coalition that we are not leading that is being led by Putin and the Russians involving Hezbollah and in uh, the Iranian forces and for all intents and purposes they're doing the greater good for the United States they're not really doing the greater good because they all have their own agendas anyway like right it in the ideal situation with them for them would be to keep Assad in power uh, have more influence and control in the region and 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 sell them more weapons and use the oil money into the other things that they do like Iran's not a good country Iran is the world's biggest sponsor of terrorism anyway right so now who who would the Russians be selling weapons to they sell it to both Syria I mean the only countries that the Russians do any kind of business with other than the United United States sells weapons to everybody from right. from Jordan to Saudi Arabia the the Russians the second most you know the second uh, country that sells the most weapons in the world sells it to Syria and Iran and the region Iran's been under the sanctions but now that they've been lifted they're about to open up some you know big accounts to to sell tanks and air, airplanes right. and Syria's always been a big client so they don't want to lose that because they lose a lot of money and also their influence in the region because the rest of it is Israel, you know, backed by the United States, Saudi Arabia mm -hmm. backed by the United States. And I think this is part of the problems with the United States uh, backing some of these shitty countries because if we don't, they might fall into the wrong hand and some other, you know, they're going to go towards like uh, the, the, the Russians. Right. So we have the Iran deal. So like you just said, the Iranians can now uh, begin to buy weapons from the United States and things like that. We will no, start no, 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 not from the United States. Oh, we won't, we won't be giving them weapons whatsoever. No, 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 no. The as far as the sanctions goes, uh, we've only removed the second layer of sanctions, not the first, because okay, uh, like we're not gonna sell them fucking F-16s tomorrow. There's no, <laughs> no? Way. no, 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 hmm. no. What they can do is, you know, first of all, United States still does very limited amount of business with Iran, other than some some um, Boeing, like for commercial airliners and stuff like that. We still don't allow them to have any access to the American banking system and the dollars, uh, and also any any company found doing business with any Iranian company that eventually has ties with the Revolutionary Guards and the government will be it's illegal they can't do it the most rich okay. wealthy companies in Iran are somehow tied to the government so for us it's not a big deal I mean we can't do much with them but the Iranians are allowed to do more business with let's say the European countries and definitely a lot with the Russians and the Chinese and stuff like that that they couldn't do under the sanctions so the Iranians are obviously going to get their weapons from the uh, from the Russians and that's where they're doing their business with I mean are the Russians mm. kind of I mean are they mm. covertly starting to kind of take like have a lot more influence in the Middle East they have been Putin uh, Putin really took advantage of this last eight years under Obama uh, mm. to to come out and you know both criticize his own people for um letting their guards down after the cold war a little bit and also taking advantage of obama's passive way of doing you know foreign policy to start you know dude did you see that video with the fucking planes flying by uh the u.s navy right boats? yeah they were they were cruising right no by one has there. balls to do that that thing was coming very very <laughs> right. close to those warships yeah. very close right they were unarmed but no one does shit like that do you find that to be an act of war it's not an act of war. It was international waters, but it's there, there's some kind of respect, right? That you you know we don't fly our planes near any country's mm -hmm. shittiest boats. 
uh, because it's you're provoking something and and that's a stupid thing to do because if if something happened to one of those airplanes or some shit and something happened by accident then then it would be an accidental war so but yeah. these guys are provoking uh, the Russians provoked the Iranians provoked they tested a bunch of rockets right next to a US aircraft carrier mm. about a month ago you don't do shit like that if yeah. it, one it, of the fins on one of those rockets was bent that thing could have hit hit, hit our aircraft carrier and that would have right. been war Right, right, and obviously, you know, being a democracy now, we're we're in a uh, in a time period of you know theoretically the lame duck presidency, right? The final year, he has no control, no power any longer. Who do you think that Putin, going back to domestic, because we just have to, I just can't not. Yeah, we have. Uh, who do you think that Putin would like to see in the White House? After Obama, because I agree with you, I think mm. that Putin has sort of won the strategic war um, when it comes to the Middle East I because think- he has he's got a lot of time to play there. It would have been Sanders for sure. You think Bernie? Of course. You think that because you think that Bernie is uh, uh, is a dove that could be easily mani- uh, manipulated by Putin, or do you think they could get uh, could have gotten along? Look, there's no such thing as getting along like getting right. along. We're we're never going to get along with anyone like the way like the Scandinavians get along with each other, like Denmark and Norway. We're we're a superpower, and and no, we can't isolate ourselves from the rest of the world. So we always have to be the big cock on the block. Right. And and some and it, you don't have to be a complete hawk like George Bush to do it, but you we can't afford being a passive uh dove like Bernie Sanders and be a superpower at the same time. You can't. So who do you think would be the next uh who, who do you think would be the best president to confront somebody like Putin in the Middle East? Uh, and and uh, go in there and actually try to reclaim land, or should the United States even care about the region uh, in a nation-building sense? We went in, we destroyed, and it seems like the Russians have come in and rebuilt. Right? Honestly, like like it's a tough question because you got to look at the short short-term problems and the long-term problems. In the long term, we don't want these people to fall in the hands of other countries like the Chinese or the Russians. It's a very sensitive. Re- part of the world and we need to have some kind of influence that's very important we also definitely have to protect israel so we do care about what's going on there but to be honest with you like syria should not be our our problem syria will never be fixed and i would let the russians and the iranians get stuck in there like our vietnam for as long as they can instead of for us to make enemies and in a place that we can't fix is it a situation where the russians have learned nothing from the afghani war do you think they're just going to end up, uh, you know, running out of resources, running out of, uh, you know, just uh, political will to uh, to continue the fight in the region? Does it ever end? I, I They learned a lot from the Afghan war, but this is a little bit different because they have another ally with them. And that's Iran. Mm-hmm. And their influence is bigger because Iraq is basically a part. It's 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 become more Iranian, pro-Iranian than pro-Western or American. So, and mm. Iran's influence is getting bigger and stronger in the region, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq. Uh, and the Russians, always behind Iran, can have their little bit of thing in the region anyway. So Afghanistan mm. was a lost cause, and it was also in a shittier part of the world than than where the rest of the Middle East and these right. countries are. So for the Russians, it's a gain. For the Iranians, it's a huge gain. For the Americans, has been a... a Sort of like if we lose the Saudis and the rest right. of them, then it's a problem. In the long run, it's a problem. But short term, we can't do anything about it. Well, going back to the Saudi Arabia, you know, uh, question of why are we still allies? Are we still so connected with them? Obviously, we have, uh, like Marcus mentioned, three percent of our uh, of our GDP comes from uh, the Saudis and our oil. So much of it comes from the Saudis. 
is it uh, is it just sort of our safety net if if Russia and Iran do end up taking over places like Syria and Iraq and they end up taking the majority of oil there? Look, the Saudis are good for a bunch of things, and you just men- mentioned part of it, I think. But what happens if it, what happens if if Russia actually really gets a foothold in that region? Does that prop up their government? Does that prop up their economy Look, the Saudis, to make it another world to, to make it a world power again? Uh, it would be a huge loss. Yeah, it would be it, w- it would be a debacle for us if because if if the Saudis right. if the Saudis go the other way, which they won't, it doesn't mean it's just the Saudis because the Saudis are b- basically a bigger umbrella of bunch of little Persian Gulf Arab countries like Bahrain, Qatar, Kuwait, and these guys are loaded with a lot of uh, right. money and, and wealth and influence. And we have our fifth fleet in Bahrain. We have military bases all over there. And every time something happens, the Saudis are like, come on in, you can use our land. So we don't want to lose all of that and right. give it to the Russians or anyone else. So this is our little safety net there. It is. Our, it's more than a safety net. It's our big-ass gas station that we can tank or sh- uh, we can park our shit there and do whatever the hell we want anytime we want. Right, but isn't it dangerous for us to just allow Putin and uh, the Russians and the Iranians to just take over the entire region? I mean, what's to stop us from having boots on the ground right now, going into Iraq, going into Syria, and just claiming the region? I mean, we're not. A, we're not. We're we're not the cops. Of, of the world. We're but, not. I mean, why is Russia? Why, I mean, why is Iran? None of them are uh, native to these countries. Yeah, but the, I Ru- mean- the Russians have always fucked up doing things anyway. The Russians are even wor- worse to their neighbors than anyone else. So it yeah. doesn't mean just Russians because... Russians are bad. Yeah, right. it doesn't mean it's good for the Russians if, if they go the other way. First of all, they're considered to be super infidels. They're not even Christians, you yeah. know? Yeah. So in that region, if you're a communist, and, and the biggest beef that anyone ever had uh, was... Uh, with the Soviets in Afghanistan, that was the birth of basically Al Qaeda and and uh, Osama bin, Laden, bin Laden's mission to go and defeat the infidels. So it's not it's not it doesn't necessarily mean it's a it's a cakewalk or it's a good thing if it fall if it falls in the hands of the Russians. And I don't think right. anyone's going to allow that to happen. It's not going to happen. But we, I mean, aren't we allowing that to happen right now? I mean, we don't really seem to be proactively you know trying to no. uh, secure land. I mean, no, we it, the land is secure. I think. Uh, things have become a little bit colder with the Saudis because, uh, because I think the I think at least the Obama administration's figured out that these guys need to do something about it. It's been, yeah. it's been a long time. It's we've almost been friends for 80, 90 years, right? And they haven't changed a bit. They're still living in a freaking cave, beating their women and acting like idiots. So it's it's time to walk into at least the nineteenth century for these guys. And, no, I agree. So and, I mean, obviously the Saudis have to start pulling their weight, but they're they're not doing it. Well, they have right? the, the Saudis yeah. just aren't doing it. So in ten years, right? Because ten like, years down the ten years down the line, though, let's just say the Russians have continued, uh, you know, uh, to to uh, put their put their uh, you know get get their you know grasp on the region. Ten years from now, isn't that going to make Russia a very very powerful country that then we're going to have to start dealing with again? Uh, you know, circa 1980, 60? You, you don't need to be, worry about the Russians and the and the Saudis together. Not at all. Because the other thing is. Okay, like we said, three percent of U.S.'s economy is in the hands of the uh, the Saudis. Imagine how much of their economy is in our hands. Right. So their their economy would be crushed if 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 they, we if we stopped yeah, you know having relations. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. They can't go back to the drawing board and start all over. They need to moder- modernize their politics and everything they have, and they right. need to really educate those people. I mean, instead of building these stupid, uh, these brilliant, amazing, good-looking 
beautiful mosques. They right. need to develop some some educational things and and give women jobs, give young people jobs. The Saudis don't even work. Right. Like hey, they well, they're busy. They 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 need to relax. No, because everything's subsidized. Every family gets like five yeah. G's a month for doing nothing. Oh, is that right? When they bring, yeah, dude, they're on. Everyone's on welfare. A good amount of welfare. Yeah. All their labor's done through literal, like almost like slavery, from people from Bangladesh, from India. And you hear about it all the time. They treat right. people like crap. Okay, so that's the Saudi side. I want to go back to the idea of the Russians. Are we just guaranteeing? If we don't intervene right now, aren't we just guaranteeing a future war with that, with the government of of, of Russia, with the country? We're never going to go to war with Russia. You don't think so? Dude, that would be another world. Well, I mean, but isn't that what we're, I mean, if you look at them right now, if you look at Putin's strategy, there is, I think, I mean, all these world leaders are suicidal, don't you think? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't it's, know. It's, a, it's a bunch of maniacs running this uh, the whole damn thing. I don't know if America will ever be in a ground war with a developed country ever again. I think our the nation, the world's economy is too tight. It, it's too intertwined for there to be an actual boost. Yeah. I mean, for undeveloped mm. countries, yeah. I mean, maybe Syria or something like that. But which we don't in a developed country, care less. <laughs> yeah, which you <laughs> right. couldn't give a yeah. fuck. But I don't think we'll ever have a ground war. Really. No, and that's actually one of the smartest things that like Nixon ever did. You know, meeting with Mao in, in China changed everything. Like, even the Chinese, even as much mm. as we hate them, a bunch of assholes, they don't show us what the fuck they're doing. Meanwhile, they're stealing our shit all the time. We, we, we're we never going to beef with them, ever, because yeah. our economies just need each other so much. Yeah. Right. And that's the entire world's economy collapses, and then all bets are off. I mean, doesn't doesn't a lot of money is made through war, though, isn't it? Um, selling weapons, yeah, but it's mostly beating up shitty countries, isn't it? I haven't seen like a major, major war since the Second War. I mean, so we have the Russians arming the Iranians all over the Middle East right now. I mean, you know, it's like it seems to me as if we are just looking in a, at a situation where we are creating a, a future. Uh, there has to be violence in the future when it comes to the governments. There's uh, always between, been between violence. the Russians and the United States. I mean, you look at what the Russians are doing with, uh, with the Ukraine. They're 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 attempting to get back the entire Soviet Union, which what which is what Putin wants to do. I mean, why are yeah, we? But that's not going to happen. Why? I mean, why isn't that going to happen? I mean, he's already doing it. It's not going to happen because because first of all, while there were, those countries were under the Soviet Union's power. They treated these countries so bad that as soon as the the wall fell and the Soviet Union collapsed, they all went to the West. They're all part of, part of NATO now. It's a very unwanted kind of power and influence mm-hmm. in the region. And the reason they, they were able to take out a chunk of uh, Ukraine was because there's there's a big spread of uh, actual Russian nationalists right. near their orbit. So Crimea, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was that was mostly because uh, the Russians, the Russians who live there, basically with the support of the Russian government, took the chunk out. But you're not going to lose Poland. Definitely not. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. 
Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You know. So you have the situation happening in the uh, in the EU right now. If the Brits don't join in 2020, the entire that? thing collapses. Why Do you think they... the Brits should join the EU? Because you look what's happening to the Germans, and they are being completely screwed. The immigrant crisis is massive, and they are they're bailing out Greece. The Germany Germany is the only country sustainable in the entire EU right now for the most part, and they're the ones who are uh, you know carrying the load for these failured. Uh, for these failing countries, why would the why would the Brits get involved with the EU? What would be the point? Do of you think not getting involved? I have no, no idea. I mean, why would they? Um, look, just looking at the last, even from World War One till now, there are these countries of Europe is a very small chunk of land. You, it's it's barely like it, you can fit it all in just portion of United States. Right. So these countries really need each other and. The biggest pillars of democracy and modern civilization in the world are the United States, Great Britain, mm-hmm. Germany, and the French are slowly just falling behind the pace. But really, uh, in a region like that, these countries all need each other. So econom- economically or militarily, they need to stick to each other and hold on to each other. This is, I think, one of the reasons right. the Scots even figured out and they didn't go independent. They, they need to stay with each other. So I don't know why they would not want to be part of you. honestly don't know. I haven't read about it that much, but I don't think it's a good thing. You know, I mean, I feel like, in my personal opinion, the Brits should not join in 2020 because I'm against the EU. They should shatter it, break it up. I'm against the global government. Marcus Parks, you know that. And I, I know, think the I, EU well, is when a massive EU, step in the, in the wrong direction. For me, EU isn't the same EU as the Greeks fucking up on their economy and being part of the EU. Now the Germans have to bail them out. I see it as, as a I, – I, I always look at the military. I think it's the NATO part of it that I, I care for. Yeah. And this is actually where Donald Trump kind of makes sense. We need to stop protecting Germany. And these countries like that, because we we're putting a lot of money into defending these countries, right? Where they're not doing, anything. and they need to put some of their economy into uh, funding and supporting NATO instead of United States. Right? I mean, is I that mean, is that one of the reasons why America has such high military spending as opposed to other course. countries? Because we're paying for we're paying their bill. Exactly, and and yeah. countries like Great Britain, and I mean we don't pay for Great Britain's military, but the Germans are protected by us. Well, by proxy. By proxy, and yeah. and a lot of that money goes into what they do in their country that we should be doing here. Nice healthcare system and all that right. stuff that we need to funnel into our own and help our own people here instead of supporting this cyber military across the world over there. So let's say the Brits do not join, the UK does not uh, join in 2020 to the EU. That entire thing crumbles, and you have Putin uh, over in uh, in the Middle East you know, b- building franchises for Russia, is that not going to be a massive uh, stronghold for him if Europe completely collapses? I mean, now all of a sudden he has a massive stranglehold on a, on oil and money and finances and nations. I mean, it, it seems to me like he is doing an amazing job of making Russia a great superpower once again. Making I, Russia great again. He, he is. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. He's the Donald Trump of Russia. He really is the Donald Trump of Russia. That's why they get along, it seems like. I don't think Russia's going to, like, they're so far behind us. It's. I mean, ridiculous. how far behind are they, though? Because we, we always hear that. But it seems like more and more, you know, you hear people talking about these, uh, uh, about America and about us feeling as if, we just have Honestly, no national identity, and we have no uh, we have no foothold uh, in the world any longer. The Russians don't have anything. The only thing the Russians have is some oil, 
which isn't like the same amount as many other countries that produce it. And the other thing they do is sell a lot of after us. It's military. But the Russians have nothing in technology. They don't do anything. They don't have anything that comes close to what the United States does. Right. Look at all the top biggest companies in the world. What do the Russians have? Nothing. They they, they build good tanks after us sure. and after the Germans probably and some jets. Other than that, they don't contribute anything to the world. They have nothing. Man, what about Russia and the Chinese? I mean, I know that they've been trying to build some relationships. The Chinese are smarter than the Russians. Yeah, I mean, by far. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and the, but now are the Chinese? That's why apples in China and not in Russia. Yeah, that was a joke, but it's true. Yeah, of course, of course. No, is there any possibility that the Chinese and the Russians uh, end up getting together in some way? Uh, because I know they've been, you know, the the Chinese and the U.S. Have, we're in this very bizarre, you know, uh, you know, economic battle and things like that. Is there any chance that uh, that the Russians are able to sort of co-opt our current? Uh, the Chinese relationship? are more ambitious than the Russians are, and they, they've done quite well in in technology and um, import export. Uh, the Russians haven't aren't even close to what the Chinese have done, and at the same time, uh, parallel to their economy, they're building a massive military in the world. So the Russians and the Chinese have always been friends, but they're right. not as close as you would think they are because of their past uh, communist whatever the russian the chinese are much more ambitious well in 2001 the russians and the chinese did sign the treaty of good neighborliness and friendly cooperation oh that's they are in chinese <laughs> <laughs> my goodness yeah no, the chinese need to do something about that freaking north korea guy all right so we have kim jong-un over there now he has uh, he has the nukes he's desperately trying to get the uh, get them off the ground and not right into the water now, so we have him supported by the Chinese. The Chinese and the Russians, uh, as Marcus just stated, are kind of getting along. Mm -hmm. What's what's the what's going on? I mean, is there any way that we could possibly disarm and get rid of that North Korean uh, regime? Isn't it just a pain in the neck for the Chinese? Um, it's never been a pain in the neck for the Chinese. I think China's always needed North Korea. Why? Because uh, they don't want to be the dick. <laughs> but they have a right. dicky neighbor. I that see. That could be a dick and a threat to the potential Chinese enemies. Okay. So it's so that Chinese adversaries yeah. are threatened by North Korea as the dick. So they've always and have always been in the loop of everything the North Koreans have done. Surprisingly, I think the last few tests or one test, the, even the Chinese had no idea what the fuck's going on. And they were surprised by it. So they had a quick meeting. They're like, hey, dude, next time you're going to do this, we need to know. Right. Because you, you're not getting anything from anyone except us. But the Chinese don't really, you know, they don't care. They have a pit bull that's sort of like on a very loose leash. And they're the only ones who can do anything about it. And, and Obama's been soft. So North Korea is just this little kid, freaking punk. I could even kick his ass. Anyone can kick Kim Jong-un's ass, <laughs> you know, Saman. That's not very... He's a, he's a roly-poly wealthy child. We have the, he's got these weak ankles from eating a lot of Swiss cheese, apparently. He has some fucking problems. He's I got the gout. Damn. Yeah, he's got gout. Yeah. He's got gout. <laughs> he's got gout from drinking too much of that shitty-ass rice... Crown North Royale. North Korean crap. Oh, yeah, actually, that's his favorite yeah, he, drink. You're right. Yeah, he drinks, he drinks Crown. He's a good guy. I mean, I like the way he boozes, and I kind of like the way he eats. Everybody's yeah, talking shit to freaking Obama. Right. Uh, 
and Obama is doing nothing uh, to respond. No, Obama's been very soft. I mean, I liked Obama. I, I still like Obama, but I'm right. I'm just as excited to see him leave as I was when I actually voted for him to commit. Who, who do you want to see replace him? Not who do you want to see, but what policies do you want to see replace him? Do you want us to be more hawkish overseas? Do you want us to just go back and uh, you know reassure the world that the United States matters, our ideals that, matter? Absolutely. I mean, isn't that something that. that we've lost? All of that. I think we still need to let people know we 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 can do whatever the hell we want anytime we want, and we are we would do it for the power of the good. Uh, and we're not going to do it because we'll we should never police the world. Actually, that's one thing everyone should understand. Because unless it's an existential threat, we shouldn't really go and just invade a country and do right. Stu- well, that's my shit. question: Is that when was the last time we actually did that? Like, well, Korea. Like, you know, 1955. South Korea. Yeah, yeah, South Korea. That was the last yeah. time that I think that America intervened in a positive way. Every other time we've done it since then, we fucked up. Yeah. Real bad. Actually started with 1953 uh, coup in Iran. Yeah. yeah. Korea War was over by 54 or 55. Yeah. So, somewhere around. But yeah, we but, after North, after Korea, we've always, we, you know. I mean, it, all the, all the right. interventions we've done in South America, you know, Vietnam, Not all good. the interventions well, we've you know, done in the kinda, Middle East. We've never done, we've never used our, we haven't used our uh, our powers for the forces of good uh, since the 50s. Uh, we have a little bit. Like, we, we are, you know. Okay, going, Kosovo. Let's co- go ahead and in, say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and we should have in uh, Rwanda much earlier. Right. But, I mean, it's also easy to say it now because in 2020 hindsight, you know, you're like, oh, okay, it was a mistake. But, you know, back in, if you go back in that time and understanding how sensitive the whole Cold War situation was, a lot of things were done out of a risk, but for a better cause or thinking that it would actually be a more effective thing at the time. Because, you know, we it was between us and the Russians. So, of course, South America who knew? Yeah. We we didn't want the entire thing to be like Cuba and right. and have the Russians build all sorts of missile sites. So people were like, "Well, we these guys were horrible in human rights." We didn't give a fuck about human rights at the time. At the time, right. we cared about protecting our borders and making mm-hmm. sure that the Russians and the Soviets aren't going to put ICBMs in like freaking Mexico. Yeah, the right. best of intentions. Of course, and yeah. same thing with Iran, 1953 yeah. coup. A lot of people were like, "Oh, you overthrew it democratically." Like, yeah, but. It was a very important time of the war in the world, uh, right after World War World War Two, and and you know again, right now it looks different, but at the time they did the they did the best they could. Yeah, yeah. they thought it was the right thing. I want to ask you about uh, Obama's trip to Cuba because my God, Saman hasn't been here forever, Marcus. Yeah, man. There's been so much stuff that happened. I'm just thinking about it in my head. I'm like, there's so many questions. The Vietnam so, War and everything. Vietnam else. happened. I mean, oh my God, I gained and lost 20 pounds. Now I'm up 30. I mean, the whole thing's falling apart, but that's a whole different story. Marcus had a threesome. Oh my God, Mar- <laughs> very lucky guy. Lucky. I didn't have a threesome. Marcus, I, I, you're a lucky guy. I, I, I didn't have it. I didn't. No, have for a th- the record, Marcus did not have a threesome. No, Thank just, you for just, the record. I was just throwing that in. After Vietnam, the only thing came up my mind was I don't know why. Well, but threesomes anyway. are wonderful. <laughs> I have a threesome every single night. Uh, me, my mouse, and both of my hands. Um, I have a mouse named Pudgy. I, I can't get enough of the guy. Is it a mouse but or a rat by now? <laughs> well, it's a big mouse, borderline rat. It was a but, small one, but now yeah. after you know. Intercourse. Yeah. Anyway, that's not important. Anyway, so I do want to talk to you about Obama's visit to Cuba because I just realized I haven't even spoken to you about that. But first, I want to that ask this uh, this sort of abstract question about, do you think the United States kind of wants, and I, and I hate to be stuck on the Russians, but I'm just stuck on the Russians for some reason. I watched Red Dawn two weeks ago, and <laughs> Patrick Swayze's in my brain. 
Do you think the U.S. would just be more comfortable in a world where where we had unified powers? You know, where we had powers that were just solidified countries, nation states that we understood, as opposed to something like ISIS. So if the Russians actually end up taking over the Middle East and really commanding the region, is that better for the United States because it somehow makes diplomacy easier? Kind of like, Hugh, I see what you mean. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like one big bomb instead of a... 6,000 little ones. Wait, I mean, do we secretly just want the Russians to have it and so we can just kind of fight with each other then? The, w- the way I see it, it's also like anytime the Russians touch a country, uh, it goes so sour that when it falls apart, they run to the West and they come to the United States. So maybe we should give Syria and these shitty countries to the Russians right. and have them really, really, really screw it up. They don't make all these enemies, and then when they fall apart, just like Cuba, have them run to us. Right. I think the Cuban thing was awesome, and I think it was too late. Not too late, but we should have done this a long time ago because the Cubans have much more to benefit and and lean towards to uh, with the United States than the freaking Russians. This is so good for their economy, and and, uh, they're a great, great little tiny Cuban nation of little islands. Great cars, there. great old cars. Yeah, that's all they have. They don't have the new ones, it. so it's just cars for them. Yeah, it's but, a great place. All right, so yeah. So anyway, that was my idea with the Russians, and let's ponder it. Let's ponder. Okay, because I have no answer, <laughs> but you wonder if it's e- if it's easier for the U.S. if the Russians are more powerful. I think maybe for the military. I think the mil- I think a, there's a lot of military guys that really miss the Cold War. I'm sure. Of I course. Mean, well, we had the guy. We had the CIA guy on Mike co- Baker. Yeah, we had Mike Baker on. You could hear when he talked about the Cold War. It, it was wistful. There, he had a, a, a longing in his voice for the good old days. Look, and the Russians. Yeah. Russians do have a pretty decent military but they can put up a great fight too and it's not a country we, w- we would want to fight no but they do not care about human lives whatsoever no they'll just send everyone and, <laughs> and give them a broomstick they don't yeah. care but like as far as military and technology goes they're very behind us yeah first of right. all we spend over 800 billion dollars a year if you collect the entire planet and put their dod budget into one bank it's not even close to what we put alone in, in this right. country and and after the cold war when they collapsed and, and they kind of laid off their uh, military spendings they really fell behind especially in this world when like your laptop's outdated in like two years mm-hmm. right. and these guys kind of like, were like sleeping on technology for about 20 years so as far as like military technology and everything we've kind of like come up to these days they're very behind even their best fighter jets are like two generations behind what we have and that's a lot yeah. in, in in today's modern world well uh, bo- right both of us have gotten you know both america america has gotten so much technology from military research research and especially space research and i think both well, america and russia we got so much from the space race from the yeah. weapons race like yeah. really other things came out of that and i guess yeah when russia when the soviet union fell they had no reason to do that they didn't realize that no, the and only they thing had they were good so at. much they were stretching <laughs> they were stretching their military so thin because they had all these expensive you know uh, right. weaponry around entire Europe the whole continent and after that they couldn't keep up with it they couldn't maintain any of this so we actually ended up buying a lot of that shit back just to make sure it's safe mm-hmm. right all right let's change gears a little bit obviously the Russians I believe it was 35% of their GDP they were spending when they uh, ended up collapsing uh, in the early 90s mm-hmm. let's let's change gears uh, just a, a little bit to uh, more of, uh, of social things we have the attacks that happened in France we have the attacks 
that happened recently. I forget the nation now, Marcus. Belgium? In Belgium. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, domestic terrorism uh, is on the rise. Simon, what is your personal take? And you can you can relate it to uh, the current president uh, presidential elections here or, uh, you know, whatever you think. Um, when it comes to fighting terrorism, are we losing this war? Is there in, in which way? What? How can we better? Uh, how can nation states? How can uh, cities better defend themselves against uh, terrorism? Look, I think the main thing we do that's different than the European countries that's actually good for us. It's bad for them. Before we get into like all this smaller stuff, uh, we, we're already doing one thing absolutely correct, and that's the reason that extremism and Islamic extremism extremism is growing in countries like France and other European countries is because they don't they have a very different system of bringing immigrants and mixing them with their society which they call like, like the mosaic mosaic system okay mosaic system is like okay so if you you you're you're a refugee from Kenya in Europe, the government situates you in a place where it's sort of like a, it's not a prison, but it's like where all the Kenyans live. Mm -hmm. So they have almost Interesting. like- Interesting. Ghettos. Have, yeah, they're yeah. not they're not mixed in the in the society. Their kids don't go to the regular school. We're here in the States, we don't give a shit. We're like, I'm not gonna give you free healthcare, I'm not gonna give you free right. education, but you're free to go wherever the fuck you wanna go and do whatever you wanna do. Yeah. But in I was France, yeah. it's, it's different. They have like their own ghetto in, yeah. in Paris where they go to those schools, they have to work in those places, mm -hmm. So they don't really blend in. They don't really blend in, and they're treated like shit. So they grow up, even second, third generation French immigrants from other countries, whatever, to become those extremists that end up going and joining ISIS. We don't right. have that problem. Well, I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, and, and going back to uh, what you were saying there, the Aborigines, for example, in Canada, if, if you are an Aborigine, you cannot be adopted by someone who is not, for example. I mean, they keep people into their, uh, in their social class. Yeah. But does the U, and obviously it goes against what you were just describing, the mosaic uh, notion, it goes against the melting pot, uh, pot idea that, right. of course, the United States is, uh, you know, so fond of. We, we try, you know, we don't necessarily we do it. Because we, do, we do, we do good. We no, do good. We, good. Yeah, but we, but we have, hard. Yeah. but we do have populations like the Somali population in Minneapolis, which I know is a bit of a cliche right now to mention, but it's the only one that comes to mind, and they're all over uh, the nation, where people do just tend to stick to their own, and they they, that's they own, cling to that, that's yeah. their own. They're not forced prerogative. to do that. Yeah, though. exactly. That, like that's yeah, a, but it's sort of like so? how the Chinese or the Vietnamese in your high school have their own group. They got Chinatown. Right, but they're yeah. still in your school. They're yeah. next to the Italians, they're next to the Russians and all that. So, and that's their choice because you tend to... Uh, but you don't think the, the, you don't think the U.S. falls into a, a sort of a, a, a category. It's almost a backroom deal where, you know, they give loans to certain people, they rent homes to certain people, they sell homes to certain people. In the and, States? And in the States. I mean, I think that we do have... I mean, this goes to systemic racism. Well, we, we, or not, it's not even necessarily it's racism. racism. It's, it's, it's classism, racism, it's everything. I mean, Ours just, is based on money and economy, right? So, so I don't. We don't. But if you're an immigrant, naturally you would be poor, theoretically, right? Theoretically, yes and no, though. I mean, but it's not cultural here. It's, it's not. Cultural, we're not trying to preserve any sort of culture. It's because monetary. Because yeah, because we don't have a culture here. That's what's great about but America. If, but if you're an right. immigrant here in the states, you probably come from a really shitty country with a, with very little wealth anyway. Sure. And and I've seen a lot of people who become billionaires who 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 didn't have a pot to piss and they lived in a cab. And when they mm -hmm. first moved here, so they have that opportunity to grow, to actually, uh, you know, melt in and and become their own whatever businessman or entrepreneur they want to do. Yes, 
that's that's but no government in the world is going to bring in immigrants and pay them a ton of money and be like, here, go have a million dollars and open up your own business. No, that's- but not pay. But isn't there a better way to get immigrants into the country and uh, and in uh, you know just integrate them into society in more of a fluid way? I mean, my uh, my idea, by the way, for the uh, immigrant crisis, my parents did foster care. And, uh, you know, we're talking about having 80,000 immigrants come over here, or 800,000. It might have been 800,000. Um, either way, it's a fairly small number in the grand scheme of things. Comparatively. My idea would be to have foster families, literally foster families, uh, sign up and take in a refugee so then they'd be integrated into society right away. And, uh, and you know, I mean, it would be obviously a large... Um, well, don't, don't we have that, though? I mean, not really. I mean, I've known a bunch of coworkers who adopted kids from like China and Russia. Right now, adults the, like you yeah, got, adults. yeah, you you've got like I mean, you know like a, a twenty-eight, thirty-year-old man coming and living with the family in Sheboygan. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, you, but you have this because you have the situation that happened in uh, you know in in Germany, and they just ended up building like we were talking about ghettos. Yeah, they just build communities. These people, uh, you know, uh, get together. They discuss uh, you they're know their ideals, and, like, and they're super camp. pissed off because they're getting treated like shit. So I yeah. think it it makes more sense for them to become uh you know extreme well that's what's going but we don't do that we don't our system is much better and that's why we haven't had the same problems that the russians i mean not the russians I'm talking about the russians so much mm. but the french and the rest of europe has that's the whole that's the whole point we've had some cases of look our terrorism comes from our own people buying guns far more than like what's going on in oh, france yeah. and these countries our terrorism is our own problem. so some nut freak right. job in 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 california uh, from saudi arabia and pakistan you know sam Bern- san berdu san berdu yeah, they were they were actually they weren't poor they had their own house they had a nice right. car and everything they were extremists and that was because it it happened and it, it could happen anytime anywhere in the world and that was due to our involvement in the Middle East and being hated by some people, which that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But yeah. as far as us having these, you know, breeding grounds of of extremism, we don't have that problem here in in, in the United States. And hmm. this is what Trump. He's a fucking idiot. He's a, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. We do need to be careful and make sure that like people like ISIS don't come in. Right. in our country but it, that's for us to have that it's a much less of a problem than it is for Europeans because these we don't have people from the United States from these ghettos going to Syria and Pakistan training and coming back home but that happens to Europe not us but don't we have the problem now where ISIS is telling people to stay put and uh, you know uh, act domestically with their terrorism I mean, isn't ISIS telling people on social media, yeah. don't come to Iraq, we're full, you know, don't even yeah. bother coming here, well, that's stay, they're, they're also stay in Tulsa. They're, they're also losing, they're, ISIS is not, they're also losing the uh, social media game too. They're How are not. they losing the social media game? Because from my perspective, all they're doing is winning, winning, winning. Now, I read somewhere, apparently it's not as hip and cool as it was before. I don't know. I don't know what the yeah, facts Yeah, ISIS are. is totally a fad. Oh, ISIS is done? Yeah, well, was, I mean, not with It was like the MySpace Yeah, with kids, like, yeah, ISIS is something that, yeah, I, I think that a bunch of kids can kind of like, yeah, man, I'm in fucking ISIS. Like, yeah, of course, yeah. dude. Yeah, but it's, and but they're not actually going to do anything. They can go and they can talk a lot of shit on some mes- message boards. They can feel like they got a real big dick. Oh, no, they were school, recruiting. They're but, the no, shit but they were using it as a recruiting tool. Yeah, right. but no, we, uh, for last podcast on the left, we just finished a four-parter on Um Shinrikyo. Um Shinrikyo. Marcus did amazing research, and that's... That's exactly that's exactly what they said about this cult. It's a bunch of jokers. It's a bunch of losers. They're not to be taken seriously. ISIS? Uh, no, I'm talking about Um Shinriko, But yeah. aren't we falling into that trap 
of, again, going into this notion of just laughing at the JV team, as Obama called them, laughing at these people who have no power whatsoever. And uh, is it going to take another massive domestic terrorist attack for, for us to take them seriously again? I mean, what? I mean, don't you think? I mean, are we doing anything right now? Is Comey over at the uh, at the FBI? Are we doing anything uh, that is extremely proactive to stop the rise? I think we of are. independent terrorism in the United States. Uh, well, so far nothing huge has happened, so that's a sign, and we've caught a whole bunch of shit. Right. NSA and all these things like people complain about. You know, sometimes to live free, you have to sacrifice. So if you're worried about FBI or somebody watching you jack off. That I'm sorry, but I honestly I, I don't have a problem with that. If if I feel like you know, right? Uh, there as, as it's being monitored because we're worried about ISIS, and we've caught a whole bunch of people like that. So I think we've we put a lot of money into our anti-terrorism different organizations that we have, and it's worked so far. Now, is, does that mean it's never going to happen again? Of course not. It's going to happen, but we're minimizing that that problem so it's it's actually we've had some random shit happen here and there but it hasn't been yeah. horrible not nearly as bad as our own gun problems and going back you mentioned donald trump i do want to talk uh you know just briefly about the rhetoric of this uh, of this election mm-hmm. you know we've discussed uh you know quite a bit uh marcus and myself with uh you know donald trump's uh you know rhetoric his tone ted cruz uh you know carpet bombing the Middle East, even though uh, Barack Obama's currently doing it uh, on a daily basis with, doing uh, it with, with drones. With drones. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. As a Muslim American, I know you don't identify as Muslim, but at the end of the day, you know, gun to your head, uh, that would be the religion uh, that uh, the people would at least place on you, right? Racist. Um, yeah. <laughs> he is. Do, yeah. No, I am not racist. <laughs> Stop, Marcus. Do you find uh, that this is a more hostile time right now in this country towards Muslim Americans than it was previously? Um, that's hard to say, yeah. man. Because first because of, you live here in New York City. I live in New York, yeah. And um, most people can't even they don't even identify me or look at me and say of Muslim. And I don't definitely look like one. Like I don't. We well, have walk, a mullet. I have a mullet, <laughs> yeah. but I don't have a turban on top of that. Right. So you know, I, I but I, 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 I can't speak for someone in Oklahoma. You know. Uh, who's wearing the hijab and walking around. Have you uh, been personally offended by the rhetoric uh, in in the campaign? No. Uh, Obama, I mean, Donald Trump. Trump or Cruz or yeah, Hillary because, or Sanders. Because I mean, he's just flat out. A freak, he's, he's offended everybody. He's offended women. He's uh, Mexicans, Muslims. Every, he's offended right. anyone that doesn't look like Donald Trump and doesn't have that fucked up hair. So he's, right. he, he's just flat out a dick. He's a jerk. Um, but... I on it. I personally don't like religion at all. So when people pick on religion, I think even if they do it in a racist way, I think it's it's a good thing to hear because it opens up a conversation about it. Right. Uh, because okay, first of all, we don't need people like Donald Trump who are like total racist about anything, and especially like Muslims and things like that. But we don't need these pseudo liberals who think religion's about peace. No, it's not about peace. Right. It, it it it's it's never been about peace. It's always oppressed women and children first and then it gets what much worse after so i like hearing problems i like using i like hearing the word islamic extremism i Mm. I actually like that interesting because it's a very big problem and it goes back to these countries that we support like saudi arabia right that's a fine example of islamic extremism they breed it and they've been doing it for decades and decades and we've paid for it uh we've, we've paid for it by literally paying for it in their country and buying their shit and being part of their economy and we've paid for it by like 9-11 mm-hmm. so this conversation is good 
doesn't it, it, it no matter how you look at it someone may look like a dickhead racist or someone may look at it and be like yeah start stop defending it instead instead of defending it all the time put some of that energy in condemning it right uh, and say yeah we do have a problem we need to fix it right I love it I love it I love it I'm God, loving it I'm so I'm freaking it. fair <laughs> no, you're the best. I'm man. the best atheist Shia Muslim you can ever meet. <laughs> no, it's perfect. All right, we got to wrap it up. Saman, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You can guys. find Saman uh, or Bobby on Twitter at Saman or Bobby. And any uh, anything coming up? Anything you want to plug? No, I just just uh, you guys. I'm plugging your show. <laughs> I'm here to plug your show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Marcus Parks on Twitter. I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Able can stop at, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Feel like you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asks them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.